Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be at today. We're in our last week. I'm a little bit sad and a little bit excited all at the same exact time. We're in our last week of Philippians. And uh, we've been in it for six weeks, which is a long time for someone who has uh, ADD. I'm ready to be done after three or four weeks. I'm ready to jump into the next series. I will say this to you, I'm really excited about next week. Next week is Father's Day, but we're also kicking off our brand new series called At The Movies. And At The Movies, we'll have popcorn and soda and candy, and we'll be looking at different movies, and we'll be pulling out some things out of these movies where I think that we can apply to our lives. I think uh, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, we were at lunch, and he's like, man, you know, God's in everything. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, man, I believe God is in everything. We believe that there's things you can watch and listen to, whether it be music or be movies or whatever, you can pull things out that God can speak to you and God can use to, to talk to you through. And so we want to look at some things next week. Um, it's going to be a good time. So bring a friend with you next week. All of our dads, we got a special gift for you. We get we're all the dads that come next week, we're giving you a free movie ticket. And so if you're lucky, you're, you know, you get to maybe go by yourself, you know. Don't give that ticket to your kids. You know, we give our kids everything. Just don't give it to them. You just go by yourself. You get to get away for an hour and a half of, of, of just you time. And so... Um, we've been in a series called Philippians chapter 4, or Philippians, and it's been called Life in HD. And we believe this, that God wants us to see things the way he sees them. He wants to see things more clear. Uh, he wants to see things and us to hear things the way he wants us to hear them. I think he wants that for all of us in here today. And so our goal has been trying to help us, help us as a community, as a, as a group of people, to help us get to the place where we actually can see the way Jesus wants us to see, and we can hear God more clearly. And that work, things work out better that way. If you see things the way that you see things, it can get frustrating or you can get confused or you can get hurt or all kinds of things can happen. When we see things the way we want to see them, we can get distracted and the list goes on. But when, there's, when we see things the way God wants to see them, things look a lot better. Things sound a, little, a lot better. Things, we, things go a little bit better. And so if you're joining with us for the very first week, we've been looking at this guy. His, his name is Paul. And he's given us this book to this church at Philippi. He's wrote this book to them. And the reason, the place he's writing this book from is, is a place called prison. He's writing a book from prison. It's a, it's a great place to write a book because you don't have a whole lot of free time. And so he's writing this book to these people to encourage them and to say, hey, man, you're doing a good job. You guys are doing a great job. Hey, don't forget about this. And hey, I'm proud of you guys for doing this. Or hey, keep up the good work. Out of boy. Pat him on the back. You're doing a great job. And at our church, we say this all the time. The best is yet to come. And he said, hey, the best is yet to come. And we say things like, it's not where you've been. It's where you're headed. And Paul's saying, hey, guys, don't forget about it's about where you're going. And don't get caught up on your past. Get excited about your future. And things are looking up for you. And it's a new season. He's encouraging. He's pumping them up. He's patting them back and saying, hey, you guys got this. You're going you're gonna to crush the game. Keep on going. I'm proud of you. He writes to a bunch of different churches, and to this church, this is a, one of the most mature churches that he writes to. It's a maturing church, and they kind of have it together in a lot of areas. He's just saying, hey, man, keep up the good work. I'm proud of you guys. Keep on going. You're crushing it. Now, before Paul was Paul, he had the name Saul, and Saul's job was to go around and to kill Christians. That was, that was Saul's job. He was a professional Christian killer. You're like, man, what a, what a profession. <laughs> what his profession was. He went around and did that. He'd go to a place like this today, and uh, he would lock up the building, and he would set it on fire. Or he'd walk up to a place like this today, a church, and he, it would, most likely it was in home settings. He'd grab the pastor, and he would take them outside, and he would, they, he would hang them, or he would, he would kill them, or he, they, would, they would crucify them. They would make up different ways to torture these people. Maybe he would set them on fire, or they would take them to the, um, to the uh, amphitheater, and they would put them out there and make a public display of this guy. That was his job. He was a professional, professional Christian killer. One day, God was sick of him doing that. God was sick of the life that he was living, and, and God changed his life in, in a matter of a moment. And I just believe that today also for us as a community, that God can change your life in a matter of a moment. And he changed Paul's life, Saul's life in a matter of a moment, and he went from being Saul to Paul. He was on a journey to Damascus to go kill more Christians, 
and God knocked him off his horse. He was blinded by the light. It was so bright because he had such an encounter with Jesus. And sometimes when you encounter Jesus, it knocks you off your, off your feet. And he knocked him off his feet and he got back up and his life was never, ever the same. He was professional professional um, promoter for Jesus Christ. He was the number one promoter for Jesus Christ probably in the, in the history of the world is this guy named Paul. And the reason why we're here today was because a guy named Paul wrote letters to churches and he started churches. And he got to somehow, it got enough over to the Americas eventually and it got to Winter Garden or got to where you were at. And you met Jesus because a guy named Paul started these churches. This Jesus movement has made it all the way to 2017, today's day. And the, and the Bible says that this church movement will, is going to last until God's de- desires for it to end. And when it ends, it's going to be eternity. It's going to be eternity. And everyone who knows Jesus as their Savior is going to spend eternity with Jesus. And so Paul's doing this, okay? So Paul goes to this place called Philippi. Now you, I've caught you guys up. Now he goes to the Philippi. When he gets there, he meets Lydia. And Lydia is a designer. And uh, she's, she's, she's rich. This is her second home. This, this Philippi place, this is the place where she lives. This is where she vacations out. This is the place where she does um, business at. And the Bible says that she, was, she worked in linen and, and fine linen. She was, a, she was a who's who to know in Philippi. And Paul interacted with her and built a relationship with her. And she met Jesus and her life was changed in a matter of a moment. After her life was changed, the Bible says that her whole entire house was changed. She told all her people that worked in her house, all the people that worked in her business, hey, there's this guy named Jesus, and he changed my life forever. Hey, there's this guy named Jesus, and he changed my life forever. He just, she, she just did that. And her business, got, her business moved closer to Jesus Christ, and her friends moved closer to Jesus Christ. When Paul left that in, interaction, he ran to this girl who was demon-possessed. When he met her, he changed her life in a matter of a moment. God changed her life in a matter of a moment. Paul said, hey, demons, get out of her. They left her. Her life was changed forever. Her masters, the people that, 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 that owned her, they were mad about that because they would, they would take this demon-possessed girl around. They would make money off of her being nutso. And um, I can relate with that. I, I was on vacation this past weekend. I let my kids stay up way too late. And I could have made money. If I would have turned on Facebook Live, I could have made some money off the way my kids were acting and there's something about when a kid goes into oblivion, but they're still awake. It's incredible. And um, so my two and a half year old twins are going nutso and just talking and saying things. I think they were speaking in tongues, honestly. Uh, they were nuts. And, um, but they, they, they he- Paul healed her. Her life was changed forever. So they go and tell the people in charge. They go tell the, 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 the jailers. They tell the people, hey, this guy, Paul, he, he robbed us. He took our money away from this, and they didn't give him a fair trial. They took Paul. They threw him in prison, and they put him in stocks. Now, we go to stocks. A lot of you, a lot of you guys, maybe you go to Disney, you go to Magic Kingdom, and we take a cute little picture in the stocks. That's the thing where you put your head through and your hands through, and, and that's a cute little picture of it. But that wasn't stocks in the Bible days. They would contort your body into an uncomfortable position until you cramped up, and they would leave you in that position. So those are cute for, like, that's cute for Instagram to put your head in, but that wasn't what Paul was in. Paul was, his, it was like a torturing device, basically. And that's what he found himself in. And Paul had such a testimony. Paul lived his life in such a way where he made an impact on all those people and he actually led the guy in charge of the jail to the Lord. And his life was changed in a matter of a moment. And so Paul loves these people. He had such a, and there was many, many stories like that. Eventually, Paul was thrown in prison. And now he's writing back to these people. He's writing back to Lydia. He's writing back to the girl that was deemed possessed. He's writing back to the, to the, to the jailer and saying, hey, I want you to know, man, I, I love you guys. I'm, I'm proud of you guys. And you, God's going to do great things in your life. And I want you to encourage you guys to keep on going and keep on fighting the fight and, and, and keep on following Jesus and keep on doing all the things that God has planned for your life. And so that's the recap. If you're just now joining us, we're in the very last two paragraphs, really, of, of this letter that he wrote back. And so you're here on a good, good week. This is the finale. And um, 
And I'm going to dig right into Philippians chapter 4. If you have a Bible, if you don't, it'll be on the screens for you. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. Um, I love my church. I love all of you guys in here today. I, I love seeing you. Some of you guys were on vacation last week. It's good seeing you back. And, um, and I, we got new guys um, back on the, on, on the tech team and new people at the front door. And I love seeing people come be a part of the dream team and, and start serving and, be, and being part of us. And we have Next Steps week two right after the service. And, and I just love seeing people plug in and serve. I love seeing people smile. And I, love, I was walking by the, the front lobby today, and I heard one of the ladies say, well, how did you get to this church? And she began to tell her about how she found the church. And I just love hearing all those stories. And I just, I just love, I, I, miss, I was gone for four days, but I missed you guys. And and, um, but I want to communicate today, and I want to communicate to this church, that, to, to us as a community, that I love you guys. And, and I feel like sometimes I'm like a Paul to this church, where God kind of sent me here to start this church. And I've got deep relationships or, or, or relationships here with you guys, and I love you. And we, if you're new today, we, we got room for more relationships. We got room for more hugs, and, and, um, and you're just all welcomed here, and, and we're just glad you're here. And so that was commercial for us loving you guys. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. And you two on the front row, I missed you guys. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. Paul's saying, I'm glad you guys are concerned about me. Very next verse, I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing, or, or with everything. And um, if you're following along today on a, on a device, we're in the New Living Translation. Paul saying, hey guys, I, I love you guys. And I'm, I'm so glad you were concerned for me. And when you go to a church and you, you find some people that are around you, like we, we ought to be concerned for each other. We ought to, hey, I miss you. Hey, I, hey, I care for you. Hey, where have you been at? And so if, if you ever are gone and we say, hey, we miss you. Where you been at? It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. We actually miss you being here. So he goes, hey, I, I'm actually concerned for you guys. I, I love you. And th these guys do that. Paul loved them deeply. He's reminding them, hey, I, man, I miss you guys. I'm concerned for you guys. But hey, I want you guys to know I'm okay. And he's going to start talking about contentment and, gener and generosity. And there's a beautiful marriage between contentment and generosity. Typically, people that are generos generous or have the, the gift of generosity, typically they get contentment. And people that are learn to be content, eventually they can become generous people or they can adapt this lifestyle of generosity. But they go hand in hand. Contentment and generosity, they go hand in hand. And Paul says, man, guys, I'm, I'm so glad that, 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 that I'm concerned for you guys and I love you guys and you guys were concerned for me and that's how it should be. And, and, and I want you guys to know, not that I, I was ever in need, you guys couldn't give to me, but I, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. And a guy from pr prison can talk about being content. Would you agree? Just like nod your head. Like if you can be content in prison, you can be content anywhere. Like, and this guy had affluence. He, his job was to kill Christians, and he actually made money for it. Like, he made money doing it. Like, that was, a, that was his job. And so he had a lot of money, and he lived in prison. Those are the two far extremes today. And so he says here, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. Verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. And, and listen, there's a couple, there's so much stuff in here. I was, I was talking to my father-in-law this weekend. And I said, you know, I, I, there's parts of the Philippians that I did that I, I, feel, I felt pretty good about, and there's some I just did a terrible job on them. But I feel like we can almost spend almost a week on almost every single verse in this. But he starts talking about contentment, and there's so much there. And we got to live our lives that are content. We got to grab onto contentment. He goes, I've learned how to live on nothing, and I've learned how to live on a lot. And you know, we find ourselves a lot of times in American culture, we live on if we get to a standard of living that we don't like, we'll just borrow so we can live at a higher standard. Does that make sense? Like, I, 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 we don't even, like, there's contentment, and then there's 
there's living in, in extravagant life. And then if extravagant life's not even good enough, then we'll go borrow so we can live in even more. Like there's contentment, there's living beyond our means. And, and Paul's like, I, I've had it all. He says, but I want to be, I've learned to be content. And he says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. I, I, in my Bible, I, I circle the, the word secret. Like, if you ever see a word like secret in the Bible, or like, I found the answer to life, like, you want to like key in, because you're like, it's like, if he's saying this is a secret, or hey, I want to give you this one thing, you want to make sure you reach, reach out and you grab onto it and you hang on to it. He goes, I found the secret to life. And he said, the secret to life and a lot of things is contentment. If you can learn contentment, church, friends, community here today at Hope Church, like, if we can learn contentment, man, it'll set us free in a lot of areas of our life. Because Paul said, I've learned, I learned the secret, and the secret was contentment. And whether my stomach is full or whether my stomach is empty, I learned to be content. When I had the, the really, really, really nice car, when I was living in prison, I, I learned to be content. When I was making a little bit of money or I was making a lot of money, the secret was contentment. Because if you're in here saying, like, man, you know what? I, I just think um, if I had more money, my life would be so much better. I, I, talk to, I can introduce you to a lot of people that have a lot of money and they're still not content. I can show you some people that have little to nothing and they're content, but I also can show you people who have little to nothing and they're not content, they're miserable. Uh, I've been all around the world. I was talking to a friend of mine today in the back and she was saying, oh, when does when our trip go to Kenya? We're sending a bunch of medical supplies to, to Nairobi, Kenya. And um, she goes, have you ever been? I said, yeah, I've been there. And I, can, I mean, I've, I've met some of the poorest monetary people that you've, you've, you could have ever imagined. I was, I was going down memory lane with Stephanie back there. I was in Haiti where, in Haiti, we took baths by dipping a thing in the water and we had to pour it over our head in cold water and soak yourself up and then take more water and dump it. I've been to Nicaragua where there was running water, but, but it wasn't hot. And I've been to Nairobi, Kenya, where there was supposed to be hot water. And when you turned it on, it was cold water. Like I've, I've, I've seen some poor place. I walked through the slums of Nairobi, Kenya, and I've seen, I've been to Manila, Philippines and all around the world. And I've met some people with very, very little, but they have a lot of contentment. And there's a secret there. You want to spend time, you want to talk to them. There's this, there's this thing about missions trips where you go, you like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go help. But typically you go to help, but you leave helped. <laughs> like you leave set free. And, um, and contentment, he says, Paul, it's, it's contentment. If you can learn contentment, it'll take you far in life. I've learned the secret. Verse uh, thir 13, it's a very popular verse. You've probably seen it on a coffee mug or a doormat or somewhere. But he says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. If you're in here today and you're having a struggle or you're having a stronghold in your life, or we say at our church every single week, everyone has a hurt habit or hang-up. One out of one people have a hurt habit or hang-up. If that's you in here today, if you need some strength, you need some help, I know where to get it from. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's where you get. That's where your, your strength comes from. That's where your help comes from. That's where your hope comes from. I was driving the truck, just a quick commercial today. Everyone needs hope. Everyone needs hope. Everyone needs hope. My dad reminds me every week, man, preach hope. He texts me, hey, make sure you're preaching hope today. Listen, this is the kind of stuff. I had two, two experiences the last two weeks. Last week, a guy got mad at me because I was blocking the sidewalk. I was putting the signs out, and I was Christian-like to him. I didn't want to be, but I was. Um, but I was driving today, and I, this, this happened to me today. It was really weird. I'm, I'm, I'm right up here at the stop sign. I'm putting the flag in here. And guys, yeah, hope. Awesome, man. He did that to me. I'm like, what are we, 12? You know, like, 
And there was two of them, so I, and he was, I don't know if I could take them, it was, it was two young guys. Last guy, I would, last week I would have took that guy because he was older. These two guys were young, so I didn't want to be like, come back here, I'll give you some hope. <laughs> um, but he was like, yeah, cool, awesome hope. And I was like, what's that, brother? I just killed him with kindness. Anyways, that was just random, but I just popped my head, but I, I realized everyone needs hope. The guy that thinks he doesn't need hope, or the guy that knows he needs hope, no matter where you're at in that spectrum, everyone in this room, they need hope. And that hope and that help, it comes from Jesus. He says, I can do all things through Christ because of the strength that comes with him. The strength that comes with Jesus, the peace that comes with Jesus, the joy that comes with Jesus. You can only get that through Jesus, through the name Jesus that we sang about. And then he turns gears, turns, shifts gears. He goes, he goes everything gives me strength. Even, um, 14, even so you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Verse 15 I need to share this with you too just before I get to this next passage. As he's in jail writing, the people find out about it. They send him stuff that he needs. They send him gifts, okay? And he's going to thank them for that right here in this next passage. And, and, and they know he was there because people are traveling back and forth. They keep good. I mean, they didn't have email and all the stuff that we have today. But if they did, I mean, this guy could have done some damage for the kingdom of God. But he, they, they know he's there. He's saying, hey, guys, I want to thank you for your generosity. Verse 15. As you know, you Philippines were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. No other church helped him out. He goes, no, you, you guys financially chipped in on this whole deal. He didn't have a job. His job was going to preach from place to place to place to place to place. That was, that was his job. And so they took care of him fi financially. They said, hey, here's some money. Here's some money for food. Here's some money for hotels. Here's some money for lodging. Here's some money for this. And they like, hey, we want to help you. Here, here you go. And so he says, I want, I want to help you. He goes, you guys are the only church that did this. Now, this guy has started multiple churches. I share that with you to say this, that maturing churches are generous churches. And, or a maturing church is a generous church. And he, he says that to me. He goes, a maturing church is, is a generous church. It's just the way it's supposed to be. And as we grow as a church, and one of the things that I dreamed about when I was, when I was starting this church, and uh, I, was, I talked to my father about this, and I talked to Diana about this, but I wanted to have a generous church. I wanted us to be, I wanted to be able to take care of the needs of the people and be able to help people and be able to serve people. I want us to have a, 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 be a generous church. But in all these churches, Paul says, hey, you guys are the only one that helped me to go further. You guys got generosity. And I appreciate it. I want to thank you guys because other people could have, but they didn't. You guys did. A maturing church is a generous church. And he says that to him. You're the only one to help me financially. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than one time. You, you actually guys, you sent more. It wasn't like you just gave a gift, but you guys kept on giving gifts. He, I was, he was at Thessalonica, another church city. And he, he didn't get money from that church. He got money from his other church while he was helping the Thessalonians or the people from Thessalonica. He's helping them. He goes, man, you guys helped me more than once. I'm here. These church, this church was a baby church. And they couldn't afford to give. And so you guys gave. And I'm so proud of you guys for giving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys get generosity. One of our core values here at Hope Church is, is generous. We say we are generous. We want to be a generous church. We want to be able to give above and beyond what's, what's normal. We want to be able to help people. We want to be able to serve people. The more we're generous, the more we're able to do. The more we're generous, the more people that we can help. The more people that we can see come to know Christ as their Savior. Every time you give your day, we're starting churches and helping more people. But as more we're generous, the more we are generous, the more we can do for the kingdom of God. And it's not about everyone doing a lot. It's about everyone doing their part and doing what God calls you to give. And so he goes, man, you guys were so generous. You guys actually gave more than once. 
Verse 17, I don't say this because I want a gift from you guys. He's not saying, hey, you guys are generous, you're generous. Can you send me some more money? <laughs> Man, you're so nice. Want to take me out to dinner? He's not saying that. He's like, hey, I'm thanking you guys. You guys are crushing it. He goes, I, want you to I actually want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Verse 18, at the moment I have all I need and more, I am generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. I wrote down this today and just in, in, in my Bible here, but generosity pleases God. Can I ask you a question? Hey, do you want to please God with your life? I do. I want Jesus to be able to say, man, man, what you're doing, it pleases me. I'm just, I'm pleased by, the, I'm pleased by your generosity, Wes, with your time, Wes, with your talents, with, with your treasure, Wes. You're just, you're, what all you have is, is, is generous. They got generosity. He said, he goes in, verse, he goes, it pleases God and the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all the glory goes to God, the Father, forever and ever. He goes, you guys are awesome. I appreciate your generosity, but God gets all the glory. I want to give you a couple things today that I think will, that, that generous people get. They just get it. Like you, either you're generous or you're not. My mom told me about two years ago, she said, there's two types of old people, Wes. I said, really, mom? Do tell. <laughs> she says, there's nice ones and there's mean ones. <laughs> two types of old people. And I realized today in, in here today, when it comes to your lifestyle, you're either a generous person or you're a stingy person. Those are the two, those are the two groups and you live in that tension. Either you're generous or you're stingy. Like, and you just, and you don't gotta go around, you don't have to wear a t-shirt that says, I'm generous. You don't, you know, if you're generous, you're generous. You don't have to wear a t-shirt that says, hey, I'm stingy, or hey, that's mine. You know, stingy is a two and a half year old. You know, my daughter, she, I, my daughter's stingy. She's two and a half. If my son has something she wants, she's like, I'll take that. And she'll snatch it from him. She's got him by five pounds. So she's like, I'll just snatch that thing from you. I'll take it from you. My two, year, my, her, her two and a half year old twin brother, he's a kind kid. He, he, he's more generous than her. I think a lot of times I have a perfect example of good and evil in my house. <laughs> my daughter is evil. My son is, my son is generous. He, he, he either, I, either he's generous or she stole it from him. I can't really tell, but a lot of times you'll see him give it to her. I don't know if he gives it to her because inevitable she's gonna take it from him, but another, whether she takes it from him or not, well, I see him a lot of times. He goes, here, Hope, here, Sailor, you can, you can have this. Here, you, you wanna play with this? Sure, please, take it. You can have it. I see him a lot, those two similarities. But here's what I know about, here's what generous people know. Generous people know this. Everything they have is from God. It's a common mark of every generous person I've ever met. If I, if I, if I hang out with someone, if I know someone that's generous, they just know that everything they have, it comes from God. It, 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 it's not theirs. It doesn't belong to them. None of it belongs to them. It's all God's. Everything's God. It's a good way to live for you guys in here today, for us as a community, to realize that everything is from God. Because here's why. Because when you need something, you know where to go. You go to God. That, that's what you got. Or if you have something, you can't boast about it because you know where it came from. It came from God. And he says in that passage of scripture, he goes, we want to make sure you know that God gets all the glory. And it's going to be hard for you to give God the glory if you don't realize where all your stuff comes from. And whether you have a little bit or you have a lot. I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and she's like, man, I'm really praying that God will help me with this house. I really need this house, and i got to move out of my current situation. And, and she got the house that she was looking for. After a couple of no's, two or three or four no's, God said, hey, here's this. 
And she goes, man, things are starting to look up for her. She goes, man, things are starting to look up. I'm so, I'm so glad things are starting to look up. When you realize that everything comes from God, you know where to go to. It's great. I love that God's the CEO of our church. I don't have to worry about it. There was a day when we first started the church, I was so worried about everything. The finances, this, this, this. I was worried, worried, worried. I was talking to my brother-in-law who's launching a church in October. He's like, Are you, were you worried about this? Were you worried about this? I said, you know what? I was worried about all of that. Yes. <laughs> what about this? Yes. I was worried everybody. I got to a point, I got a week into it and two weeks into it. And the more and more I got further along away from starting the church, I realized that I'm not the CEO of this church, that God is. God runs this church. It makes it a lot easier on me. I realize everything I have, it comes from God, generous people know that everything comes from God. Here's another thing that generous people know. Generous people never run out of what they need. Never do. I can't remember a time in my life where I ran out of something that I needed. The generous people that I do know, I can't ever remember them ever saying to me, Wes, you know what? I ran out. I ran out of what I needed. I've never, ever heard that. And I know you're thinking, Wes, well, you haven't been, been alive that long. I know, 35 years is not that long, but every generous person I've ever met, I've ran a statistic, 100%. 100% is a good number. The generous people that I know, they've never, ever ran out of what they needed. Not one time. I've never met a generous person who ran out of what they needed. Can I ask you a question today? Have you ever ran out of what you needed? And if you have... It's because you pursue, 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 pursue that we miss out. Because we usually, we, pursue, we, we pass by the water to go get the bread, knowing very well we needed water. Does that make sense? Got them in the desert, got them in the desert, got them in the desert, got them in the, If you're in the desert, the thing that you need most is what? Water, you're thirsty. Or Sunday morning, better, better example. When you wake up Sunday morning, you don't need food. You need coffee. I mean, that's, that's kind of simple. I'll never pass the coffee to get to the food on Sunday morning. I got to get coffee first. I'm better on Sunday mornings with coffee than I am without coffee. And here's, if you're in the desert, you need, you need water. But a lot of times we'll pass a creek to go to McDonald's to get food in, in the desert. Or we'll go to get that meat or we go to get that sandwich and we pass the living water. People that are generous, they never run out of what they need. They never, ever run out of what they need. And I want you, I want a couple more things I want to give you that I think are important for you. Generosity is what keeps the things that we own from owning us. Generosity is what keeps the things that we own from owning us. Do you ever find yourself feeling like, man, that, it owns me? I never want my house to own me. <laughs> I don't want my house to own me. It's a terrible owner. I want to, I want to own my house. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want it to own me. I don't, my vehicles, the cars, the relationship, I, have, I don't want any of that stuff to own me. I want, I want God to own me. I want, I want God to own, own, own my stuff. I don't want to be so consumed by my things. Because you know what things will do? They'll rob you. Stuff can, I'm going to get that. It's funny that things that we go after, they usually end up robbing us. Of joy or peace or patience, kindness, all the things that God wants to give us, we lose out. Generosity is what keeps the things we own from owning us. And I want to dispel one more rumor today or one more myth that maybe you're thinking today. You don't have to be rich to be generous. You don't have to be rich to be generous. And you may be thinking today, Wes, well, if I had more money, Wes, I'd be generous. I would, Wes. If I had more money, I'd be generous. Or Wes, if I had, um, if I had, if I had more time, Wes, I would, be, I, I would be more generous. Or Wes, if I, had, if I had more gifts and abilities and talents, then I would be, I would be more generous. Wes, I, I really know that I would. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to have a lot. 
to be generous. You don't have to be a lot. I remember when I was in, I'm done, the band can come up. I remember when I was, um, I was in the Manila, Philippines, and I, I think it was my second time there, and, and we were going around and preaching and sharing the good news to people and talking about Jesus. And I remember um, one, of the, the, one of the very last nights we were going to be in that city, this little girl, I'd been, I'd been talking to her all week long, and her friends were there, and, and they just kept on being around. They were there every night for the crusades, and we were preaching the gospel to thousands of people, and every single night this girl was there. And one of the last night she came up to me, I was, sit on the, I was sitting down on, the, on, on one of the chairs there, and much like a chair that we're sitting in there today, and... And when, when she got there, she goes, hey, I want to give you something. And I was like, awesome. <clears throat> what you got? Because I like gifts, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I'll take it. What you got? And um, she's like, I made you something. She, she reached out and she gave me this piece of paper. And it was the most, it was the most beautiful picture of a flower that I had ever seen in my entire life. Hand-drawn. And I'm like, man, this is, it's beautiful. It was just the detail that went into it. it was incredible. She used purple. The, the colors that she put into it was just, was, just, was just amazing. The time that she could tell, it took her some time that, that she had put into it. It, it, was, it took her a lot of time. And, and the piece of paper that she gave it on, it wasn't about the piece of paper. It was like she found the piece of paper. It was like literally she found the piece of paper and she, she, she drew on that. And, and I don't know how many coloring, coloring crayons that she had, but I know the ones that she did have that she used that she put a lot of time and she put a lot of effort and she put a lot of, and I thought, man, this is the nicest this is the nicest gift that she probably could have gave me. She couldn't offer me any amount of money that I, that I didn't need any money there. You can get a haircut in the middle of the Philippines for $3. Three US dollars you get a haircut for it. And it comes with a head massage and a back rub. It's awesome for there. I could, I could live that lifestyle. And um, it's, more, it's cheaper there. But it's a, she, she, gave all the, she, she gave what she could. And it was incredible. And I took that little Bible, I took that little picture and I had a Bible there and I put that picture in the Bible and that Bible sits on a, on, on a bookshelf in my office and that little picture will stay there. And I'm gonna try to keep that gift for a long time because that gift meant a lot to her, which made it mean a lot to me. And I realized there that that little girl who had nothing understood generosity as a three and four year old, five or six or however old she was, it was too long ago for me to remember the ages. But it was a beautiful picture. I mean, it was, it was in HD. It was, it, HD wasn't even out there, but it was so clear. I mean, it was, in, I can just, it was like it was in HD. It was beautiful. She gave what she could. She gave all that she had. It was incredible. Can I ask you a question today? What are you holding on to? That if you were to let it go, God could put something greater in your other hand to be used by him or for you to be able to use and be able to give and be able to pour out. What are you hanging on to? Because here's what I know, whatever you're hanging on to, if it's not, if it's not Jesus and, and, and the plan he has for you, if you're not hanging on to that, everything else will rob you. It'll be in this hand, but it'll be stealing everything that you have inside of you. Maybe you're holding out, maybe you guys, some of you are you're holding out relationally for some people. You're like, I'm just, I'm hanging on to that. I don't want to have any relationships. I'm going to hang on to that. I'm not even, I don't even want to be generous with my time. I don't want to be generous with my relationships. I don't want to be, I'm going to hang on to all of it. If you hang on to all of it, you'll miss out relationally. I'll miss out on some really, really good people. You've heard the saying before, money makes the world go round. And I would venture to say to you today that if you live by that, that will rob you because you'll have to go around and around and around because you'll get it and you'll keep on going around and around and around. You have to always chase it. If you chase money, you'll always have to chase it because when you make it to six figures, you're gonna want seven figures. And when you make it to seven figures, 
you're gonna make it to what? You wanna make it to eight figures and you have to pursue that. If you're pursuing things, if you get a two bedroom house, I promise you, it's gonna eventually be too small for you. You wanna know why? Because you'll know someone else with a bigger house and you'll want a bigger house. If it's things, you want a three bedroom house. If you get a three bedroom house, you're gonna want a four bedroom house. You guys are pretty good with math. What happens after you want a four bedroom house? You're gonna want a five bedroom house. And Paul says, you can choose and chase all the things that you want, but if you do that, you'll never get contentment. You'll never be content. And if you never get contentment, you'll never be able to live the life that's generous. And Jesus says in the scripture that generosity actually pleases him. And when we please God and when we're generous, he gets all the glory. Can I ask you a question today? Are you a generous person? Because Paul said a maturing church is a, gener is a, generous, is a generous church. Maturing people should become generous people. Your time, your talent, your treasure. What do you have? 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 Whatever you have, why don't you give that to God today? Say, God, I'm, I'm done with this. I want to invite you to stand to your feet. Everyone across the way, would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment?